Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to NerdPod Generations, episode 114. Uh-huh. As always, I am one of your lovely hosts, Steve Taylor, along with beautiful L. Judson. Hello, sir. Hello, friends and enemies. 114 could have been a score today at one point. It was close. It was very close. But, okay, so so folks, normally we start with what we've been watching, playing, reading. We're going to jump right into it, and we're just going to be doing, like, a football follow-up of our, our yeah. show a few weeks we're ago. We're three weeks into the season. Three weeks into the season. Even though week three's not completely done, there's, like, seven Monday night games, but we're, we're pretty much done with this week. Yeah, we've seen almost everything there is to see. Yeah. And now there's just that one other thing that will definitely be the craziest shit you've ever seen. Yeah. But it's not going to happen until tomorrow night. Here's my thing. Like, you brought up the 70 points. You brought up the almost saw a record. 70, I think 77 was a record in 1966. Yeah. And the Dolphins today scored 70 on Denver. On the Broncos. No, and you know the sad part is, honestly, Russell Wilson wasn't having a bad game. It's just the defense was good. Not existent Which is weird for Denver. Denver's yeah. been eating off their defense for like the last three years. So what years. did Miami's running? Miami's running back was over 200 yards for four touchdowns. Their quarterback was over 300 yards passing with four touchdowns. They had Tyreek Hill had like 160 for a yep. touchdown. And they were just, their offense is insane. They're just lighting up. And they've done it every week. Yeah. That's but now the thing. my question is, because this is what happened... No spoiler, the worst team in the NFL is the team that I've been rooting for for 40 years now. The Bears were playing at the Chiefs, and I knew it was going to be a blowout, and they were up, I think the Chiefs were up 41 to nothing. It was 35 at halftime, 35 Yeah, it was 35, and then they scored, so it was 42 nothing, And then they pulled Mahomes. Mm. The Dolphins never pulled Tua? Which is weird. That was weird. Like, they were absolutely slapping Denver from the the From the beginning, go. it yes. was never a contest. At halftime, I think they had 40 points at halftime. It, I, the, I, it, they may have had 56 the yeah. at halftime. But it's like, they just kept him in there, and I yeah. didn't get that, dude. I, especially with his health history, Yeah, that's, you're asking for trouble. And I know you like Mike McDaniels. That, that seems like a brash, I'm, I, my players say he's doing great. And I want to be supportive of my player, so yeah. I'm going to leave him in. And I'm just sitting here like, no. <laughs> and it's not like they needed a statement game because they no. destroyed the teams the first two, yeah, two weeks it, they the, played. The first three weeks of the year, they played the Chargers the first week. Yes. And that was like a close game until it wasn't. Yes. And then last week, Patriots. Patriots, yes. So that was that was and another game. smacked the Patriots. Right? Yeah, that was, that was not close. And then it got close towards the yeah. end. But the Patriots never—they were never really going to win that game. No. Um, so, and it's like, do you really need to make a statement? No. You no. already made a statement in the first half. No. Why keep them in? Well, I want to make a statement next week. I know that because the Bills came in to Washington yes. today and whipped ass too. We finished thirty-seven to three. Okay. The problem, though. Mm-hmm. They whipped ass, but it was primarily a defensive ass whooping. Josh had moments. He had one arm punt, which was he had the arm ugly. punt, but. This game plan looked more similar to the week one than the week two. I would agree with that. There wasn't enough power running in the game. Not enough running and not enough, you know, five to ten yard passes. A lot of them were going downfield. And it's like, that's what got him in trouble week one. Yeah. Allen did slide. 
He did. Which I almost passed out when he slid. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. And then like three plays later, he was like, oh, fuck sliding. Yeah. Like, took a massive hit. But uh, hey, one, one time is a start, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beginning. No, I... The Bills' it, defense was ridiculous. They were great today. They, I think they finished the day with seven sacks. No, ten. Ten sacks. Five turnovers. Five turnovers, including four interceptions. One for a touchdown. One for a touchdown. It, but their but they, defense they were was great. In- Insane they were today. great. They were just all over Sam Howell. They didn't give him any room to breathe. They just were absolutely suffocating. But yeah, it was it was a great game to watch, as long as you're not a Washington fan. Yeah, I, they pulled Allen at the right time. Yes, I think they pulled him when we got up thirty. They were like, yeah, that's enough. Yeah, and you know Greg Rousseau had a big day. Uh, what's his name? Binford, mm. Bradford, <sighs> the secondary. No, Forty three, I think, was his number. The one that had like two or three interceptions. He today. he had several. Um, because I want to get his name right. Bernard. Bernard, thank you. Terrell Bernard. Mm-hmm. So Terrell Bernard went off. He had a massive day. He was in on every one of those turnovers, I yeah. think, except for the Russo run back for a touchdown, mm-hmm. um, which was one of the worst throws I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was pretty bad. He threw it literally right to him in yeah. the chest. I yeah. was like. Where the hell was he thinking he yeah. was going to go with yeah, that? Yeah, no, it was awful. That was terrible. It, and it was one of those things where by the end, I think it was right before the two-minute warning, mm-hmm. uh, James Tiberius Cook, as I've been calling him, uh, fucking tore off a massive run. Yep. Because Washington just fully didn't care at that point. They were like, we're not going to win this game. Mm-hmm. We're not going to try and stop you either. <laughs> if you want to score another touchdown, fuck it. We don't care. Yeah. We're dead. We're dead in the water. We got nothing. And they needed a miracle to beat Denver last week. Yeah, talk about teams that are underperforming. Denver. Oh, baby. Well, it just makes you wonder, you know, everyone puts so much emphasis now on... See, that's the thing that kills me. All these quarterbacks are making these insane salaries. Yeah. Defenses are winning this year. Defenses are the thing that are turning the tide. Like even some of these, I mean, you could you could say the whole Miami thing, but they're an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Same with like Kansas City playing the Bears today. Because if you look at the first two weeks of the year, Kansas City's offense looked like shit. I was gonna say, look at what happened to Kansas City in the first week of the year yep. when they didn't have all of their defensive starters. Mm-hmm. They weren't playing at one hundred percent, and they lost that game to the Lions. Yep. And last week they needed uh, Jacksonville to go zero and seven in the red zone, which is ridiculous to win that game because they only could put up seventeen points on a Jacksonville team who gave up. 30-some-odd points to the Texans today. 37. 37 to the Texans. To the Texans. So it's like if they give up 37 to the Texans, but the the Chiefs can only drop 17 on them. And once again, folks, I know if you're listening to this after you see the Chiefs score, they were playing my Bears, yeah. who are without a doubt the worst team in the NFL. You want to talk about a pantomime horse, and I fell right for it. I saw yeah. that pantomime horse, and I was like, it's Equus! <laughs> Let's fucking go! Oh, it's so and, bad. Uh, man, no, that ain't Equus. <laughs> That's, this is bad. You want to talk about bad news bears? Yeah. Oh, baby. It has been a rough season, and it's only three weeks into the yeah. season. I am floored at how badly the bears have performed. Yeah. Just, and I, I hate to say this. I think, I mean, obviously, okay, here's the mistake they, they would make at the end of this year. They would make the naggy mistake if they let Eberflus stay. Because mm-hmm. obviously a lot of it is coaching. Yeah. Not say, not giving Justin Fields a pass at all because he's playing like pure dog shit. He's holding on to the ball too long. Yeah, way too long. And he can't make reads or anything like that. If Eberflus is, 
obviously they're not they're gonna be the worst team in the league this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm like even the Texans today with CJ Stroud look great. Yeah. So it's like they're you know, there's no other team that's going to push Chicago for that number one draft pick. Mm-hmm. And my thought is Iberflus has gotta go. Yeah. And like, do you try to see before the trade deadline if you could get something for Fields? I wouldn't go that far, but I definitely I agree with you. Eberflus is gone because he. What does he bring to the team? He doesn't bring. He doesn't bring anything. He's, he sucks. There's no spark. There's None no whatsoever. guru. There's no experience. There's no players coach. Yes. There's no nothing. Like last year, the Bears had a spark. So there was like that game in Miami. Where they, you know, had to slog it out, but Justin Fields ran like a maniac all day yeah. long, and they still lost all the and they still lost. games. Yeah, I, I don't know what Eberflus could possibly be bringing to this situation, where it's like, yeah, he's definitely making yeah. this work. It's like, if it, if he's an offensive guy, the mm. offense looks terrible. It looks and, horrible. Well, no, he's no, he's a defensive guy. And that's what I was gonna say. If yeah. he's a defensive guy, you have. All of your weapons, you have all of everything that you could want. The Bears just went out and bought a bunch of players yep. to bring onto that defense. And what are you doing with it? It's horrible. You're doing absolutely nothing From with top it. Top to bottom, it's the worst team. And by it's far. like just giving up tons of points every week. And it's like so your defensive minded coach, whose GM just went out and got him a bunch of defensive players, mm-hmm. and you have nothing to show for it. And see, that's the reason why, like, I, I'm not saying I think Fields is a bust as a quarterback in the league. I just think he's, Chicago and him are yeah. done. He's put in, what, well, this is his fourth year? No, third his year. Third year. So it's like, it's his third year. He has shown great decline. No improvement whatsoever, no. just declining. And it's like, you know, we failed him as a team. We failed him as an organization. Let him go to a different team. Maybe he can find success. Yeah. Give us a draft pick. We'll draft another quarterback that will ruin. And then we'll do another rebuild in three years. And we'll draft another quarterback we'll ruin. And it's just going to continue yeah. until someone in, fixes the upper management. Yeah. That's all it is. That's really what it is. It's a thousand percent. Is that the upper management keeps on bringing in the wrong people to run the team. And then the people don't know how to run the team exactly. in an effective way. And so they just make these boneheaded decisions. And, like, to their credit, I thought they were going to be a lot better this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I came in, I saw all the defensive players that they brought in and some of the offensive players that they brought yeah. in, and I was like, oh, so it's going to be a good year. And they've just done absolutely it's nothing. It's And, like, had more than one 40-point loss in three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's really bad (laughs) like that's not the direction you want to be going in meanwhile green bay has a come from behind victory today and jordan love looks like he's going to pick up right where aaron Rodgers left off with him i'm still shocked by (laughs) so justin fields today 11 for 22 for 99 yards one touchdown and one interception and the touchdown was a end of the game oh it was garbage time garbage time touchdown and he was sacked three times for a 58.7 rating. Oh, God. No, that's yeah. that's unacceptably bad. That's really fucking that's bad. That's unacceptably bad. And, like, they, you guys had the, the number one pick last year, so the hope would be some level of improvement, right? Like, even though you traded back in the draft with the mm-hmm. Panthers to, to do some stuff, you'd still want to see some kind yeah. of improvement. And Justin Fields was supposed to be working over the offseason on being a better quarterback. We were all talking about... Oh my God! What would happen if the Bears actually had competent quarterback mm-hmm. play instead of backup quarterback play? 
And it's like, I guess we're still not going to find out. Because we still have that mentality that is too old school, which is run the ball in defense. It's like, that worked 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. That ain't the way the NFL is now. And you, you gotta, can't do that. you got to come up with like a run-pass option balance. Yeah. Because that's where Justin Fields is going to be most efficient, yeah. is when you have that threat of the run, likelihood that he's going to take off, but you mm. have to cover downfield in case he doesn't. That's how you have your Mahomeses and Allens and all and Jacksons and all these other guys who just fucking they can tear you up short field, long field, backfield. Yeah. Uh last year it looked like Justin Fields was gonna mm. step into that role. This is a really bad first three weeks of the year for him. Oh, this is yeah, like this is a nightmare scenario. But and the thing is, like you look at I'm even gonna use uh Dallas as an example of this whole thinking old school. You know, everyone's like, oh, Mike McCarthy, you know, they're going to be running the ball and defense. Yeah, Tony Pollard had a good game today, 122 yards. Good game. Their defense, a team figured them out for today. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so today they needed a passing attack. You know, Prescott was 25 for 40, 249 yards, a touchdown and a pick, which is not good enough in the NFL when you're needed to, like, take over a game. Yeah. You need to be able to do, like, a Brock Purdy. He doesn't put up huge numbers, but he doesn't turn over the ball. Mm-hmm. He, he makes plays on third down. Mm-hmm. It's like that's what you need. You, you and the problem is with Chicago once again is their mindset is on running and defense, running on defense. Oh well, we have a quarterback. You know he can throw the long ball, but he's not really a pocket passer, so we're gonna need him to run. And it's like look how well that worked out today for the Ravens yeah. losing to the Colts at home. Yeah. With Lamar to Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Gardner, you know, Lamar had two rushing touchdowns. Great. You yeah. lost. Yeah. How fucking good is yeah. that? Yeah. You owe it. I had to watch him for so many years. You look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady for a long time. He's he's shaken this moniker since then. But for a long time there was this idea that Tom Brady wasn't actually that great. Mm-hmm. He was great at finding the open guy. That's what made him great, but he never made the big play. He didn't throw 60 yards downfield. He didn't, like, bullet something in between three defenders to hit somebody in between the numbers, you know? He made the efficient throws. He always made the right throw to the right guy at the right time. He got down. He got the first down. He knew where to get the first down, when to get it, who to throw to to get it, how to trick the defense into allowing that short gain to become a 15-yard gain first down. Mm -hmm. I had to watch that for so many fucking years. If you can do that, and that's kind of what Brock Purdy's doing. That's exactly him. You just don't make mistakes. You find the open guy. You never over-pursue. Yeah. You don't, like, say, oh, that guy, you know, you pull the Josh Allen. That guy who's surrounded by three guys, I can still hit him. Talking about the the, the game. I'm going to just fucking whip it, and it's going to go in there, and it's going to be fine. And it's like, you know, you don't make that decision. You look, and you say, oh, I can hit McCaffrey here for seven yards, and then he's going to bust another five on top of that. That's 12. First down. That's how Tom Brady became Tom Brady. And I, I do see Purdy doing that, but I, I agree. Fields needs to get into that kind of mentality of, like, take what the defense is giving you. <laughs> take anything. And, you know, once again, not to, to just keep harping on Tom Brady, but I think the thing that made him successful is they said, we're going to have tight ends, yeah, and we're gonna have little wily receivers who can 
do great crossing patterns because mm-hmm. that's the thing you don't see anymore. Like even it's it's my Madden go to, and when you see it actual in real football, it works every time. Where if you have a guy that goes out three yards crosses, and you can hit him for like a five to six yard gain, guess what? Two of those in a row is a first down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is how Brady became successful. That's how Brock Purdy successful. It's like we don't have any of those plays for Justin Fields. It's either run the ball, stupid uh, swing passes so that that never go anywhere. Yeah. But it's like, dude, we need somebody that can make that crossing pattern. The hillbilly conservative fuck who played for uh, Buffalo and Dallas. Oh, oh, Beasley. Beasley. That's how Beasley was. Yeah. You know, Beasley Edelman. You know, get get somebody like that. That's like, dude. Go three yards, cross across the middle. You're quick enough that you'll get two steps on the guy so I can hit you for a quick little out. That's all you need. And it doesn't have to be a great player. No. I used to think Danny Amendola was a great player. No. And then he went to Detroit, and I was like, oh, Well, look what not. happened to Wes Walker when he left New England and went to Denver. Yeah. He did okay, but he was nowhere near he what he was. He was supposed to be their number one guy. Yeah. That's not his game. That's nope. not the game he plays. This is what Buffalo is trying to do now. They brought in Kincaid, mm. so now we got our two Daltons, Knox and Kincaid, on either side of the line. We're trying to run the ball more, and then we have these short routes yeah. to Diggsy to, to pick up medium to you know medium long range yardage. Mm. And then every once in a while, we'll take the top off and go to Gabe Davis. Yeah. I I'm glad it worked today, but we need to fine tune it a little bit yeah. because that you know we looked okay. We also were playing a team that was kind of on their heels, mm-hmm. not really. Dug in, not they, they're a very talented crew. They're also a very young crew. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we had a lot of things going for us that we're not going to have next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't afford the stupid mistakes that we make sometimes. Yeah, because you got to have, I mean, it looks like it's going to be absolutely it's gorgeous gonna be a weather slog. next week. Yeah. So it's like you're going to have beautiful weather. Yeah. No excuse this time. No excuse. But you got to expect as great as Buffalo's defense has been. Miami, you have to expect them to put up 30 to 35 points. So we you need to have a game plan to put up points. We haven't had anybody with the level of reach that the Dolphins can yeah. create with Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Uh, we faced Devontae Adams and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh-huh. Or Terry McLaurin and Sam Howell. Mm. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. Um, Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson. Oh, God, don't even bring uh, Zach Wilson. So, like, we we definitely need to play yeah. better than we have been on defense. And it's not to say that our defense has been playing badly. Quite no, like today, they're yeah. playing great. But, my God, this yeah. is going to be a proof-it game. But, but, once again, I think next week isn't going to be as much about the Bills' defense. Is their offense is going to have to go into the game saying, we have to put up 40 points. Yeah. How do we do that? Yeah. Because that's how it's going to be. And especially with the petering out that we've had on drives of just like, okay, you know, especially today. There were a lot of drives where we could have ended in a touchdown and we took the field goal and that's fine because we still had a blowout. But we could have been one of those scores that was like 42, 49. Yeah. And we just did not connect on those plays. Yep. And I agree. As it turns out, we didn't need to this week. Yeah. Next week, gonna fucking need to. Yeah. I can almost guarantee you, you right now. You can't expect five turnovers next week. No, you can't expect anything yeah. next week except for the Dolphins to score 45 points. Yeah. Conservative estimate, 45 points. Yeah. I'll give you a 30. You know, but like literally, I think they're going to put at least 30 points on the board. Oh, absolutely. Even if the defense is good. Absolutely. And so it's just like, okay, 
Yeah. How are we going to do anything about that? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It is going to be a great game. They actually have me. Usually I have off Sundays, but they asked me if I could work Sunday morning just to get everything prepped because we're expecting to have a just get hammered in the morning with people buying shit for that game. Mm-hmm. But then after one, it's going to be ghost Yeah, time. oh, it's going to be ghost There's time. not going to be anyone. No, no, no. Everybody's going to be either watching the game yeah. or watching the game. Which I am very happy that they made this switch, even though it did take away the home field advantage. But to have this game be, this is like as even a playing field. It's true. So you really are going to get a good sense of what Buffalo is and what Miami is after this game. See, I talk a big game about being pissed at the NFL for mm. taking away the weather advantage from both teams mm. um, by by switching this. We talked about this during our football mm-hmm. preview, but for anybody who didn't hear that and isn't aware, uh, Buffalo and Miami, we hate each other, and also we use each other's stadiums as weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> and so the Dolphins make us sweat until we cramp up and die like last year and then we freeze them out and make them play in the wind like we yeah. did last year i usually hate when the nfl fucks with that i do have to say the bills have not been playing great in bad weather the last few years yeah no not at all that loss to the patriots where all they had to do was run the ball mac jones didn't he threw the ball twice yeah. the entire game all they had to do was throw the ball and the defense just couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. <laughs> it was and just then maddening. What you had talked about earlier, the, you know, the Bills offense just didn't want to run the ball. Yeah. It's like, dude, you got you got to actually have good running backs. Finally, there. now we do have yeah. some good running backs. Some of these guys that I didn't think. Like, I like Latavius Murray. I, I followed him mm. uh, from, I think he was on the Vikings at one point and the Saints at one point. He's mm. been to a bunch of different teams. So, like, I, I know the name and I, I've watched him and been like, oh, he's a really good player. Uh, Harris. Harris is doing great. I did not think coming into the season, in fact, again, during this, the mm. last time we talked about the NFL, I made kind of a big stink about how the Bills didn't bring in another running back to support James Tiberius Cook. And, uh, you know, maybe they did. Because yeah. <laughs> these guys seem to be getting the job done. Yeah. Murray reminds me a lot of, um, oh God, who was that guy who used to run for Dallas? Uh I think his last name was Murray also, is it? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. You know about. who I'm talking about? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. They remind me very similar of, all right, so if you need to get two yards, mm-hmm. that's who you put in. Yeah. If you need to get ten yards on the outside, put Cook in. Or you know yeah. what I mean? It's like they have a nice system, but they're not, you know, last week they utilized them. And this week they sort of did. They sort of did. But they didn't lean on it enough. No. It's like, you know, you don't you don't need to be flashy if you have the fear, you know, that's the thing with Chicago. Even if we have good running backs, there's no fear of the quarterback beating you. Yeah. With Buffalo, there is fear of Josh Allen beating you. So the running game should be able to make, you know, some really good plays in the game. Exactly. If you run them enough. If you do it right, which is yeah. what we saw last week against the exactly. Raiders, exactly. was the Bills being determined in the run yeah. of just like, we're going to keep running, even if it's not working all the time. We're going to keep running, and we're going to just wear them down. And it worked. Yeah. Uh, and, God, that was so nice to see after the last few years of the Bills just being like, a running game? Meet number 17. Yeah. Our throwing game? Have you met number 17? Our entire offense. I have this guy you got to meet. It's number 17. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but, like, what if not? Because at best, you're relying on Josh Allen to make good decisions. 
Which is not always his forte. No, not at all. <laughs> Please don't make him make this At worst, he gets injured, and you just don't have an offense yeah. anymore. And so it's just like, okay, let's move away from that. And we finally are. Now we got to stick to it and, yeah. and keep working at it. Um, I am terrified of next week. I hate losing to the Dolphins, and I can already smell it on the air. And it's just like, I gotta be positive, but I don't want to do this, man. There's a couple different scenarios. You lose big. Yeah, that's gonna suck. And that could be detrimental to the team. To the entire season. You lose only by, like, a touchdown. That's a win. That's a win. Or you win. That's a huge win. And that is the propulsion you need going into the remainder of the season, including Kansas City and all these other teams. We still have to play Kansas City and Cincinnati and Jacksonville. On top of playing Dallas, we still have Dallas. We have New York in a few weeks. We'll see how that goes. We Which to... And what we've seen, especially coming from this week, you really don't have to worry about a lot of those teams. Like, mm-hmm. Buffalo is better. And I, and I think from top to bottom, Buffalo is better than Kansas City as long as psychologically they allow themselves to be better than yeah, Kansas City. Yeah, I 100% agree with this. Yeah. Buffalo kind of gets – and they've, they've had this problem as a team for a long time. Mm-hmm. Of just kind of getting into this mentality of like, is it our time? Maybe it's not. Maybe, you know, maybe this isn't ours. Mm. Maybe this is someone else's. We're gonna we're gonna take a step back and kind of reevaluate things. It's like no, this is when you need to push all your chips in and fucking go. And, and folks, this reminds me of the late '80s. The Chicago Bulls could never beat the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, Detroit was a very good team. Chicago was much more talented. They just couldn't beat them. Until they did. And mm-hmm. when they did, no one could stop them. Yeah. And it's like, you just got to get over that hump. Just and it's not regular it. season. It's postseason. Yeah. Because you know damn well they're going to play Kansas City in the postseason oh, this 100%. year. 100%. And they, they just got to take them down. Who's going to take care of it for us? You know? Nobody. At, at <laughs> There's a very real possibility that we play Kansas City in the wild card. Yeah. At Kansas City. Yeah. That could 100% happen. Or let's say we, by some miracle, get the fifth seed, right? Like we we don't win the division, but we get the highest wild card seed. Mm. That still means we're taking on probably Jacksonville or Indianapolis. And I'm not going to just guarantee that those are going to be easy wins. We've lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs in the last seven years. Yeah. See, I think that it rolls into next week if they beat Miami. Their mindset should be we're going undefeated the rest of the season and getting the number one seed. Yeah. That has to be their mindset. Like, yeah. if they lose to Miami, like you're saying, wild card, because they're still the best team in their division. And then it's, well, other, other, other than, than Miami. Miami. But they're at least number two. Yeah. Um, the, with the way the Jets are performing without Aaron Rodgers yeah. and with the Patriots kind of being this very <laughs> up-and-down team. barely beat the Jets yeah. today, so by three points. Yeah. I have faith that they're a good enough team if they allow themselves to be, yeah. that they can win out the rest of the year and get the number one seat. But once again, will they allow themselves to be? Yeah. Because even that first game, like we talked about, they were the easily the best team on the field. They didn't need they to didn't do anything. Win. They just nope. needed to play low and slow all day. The Jets were dead in the water. Yeah. They were dead in the water. All we needed to do was just play our game. And they were demoralized. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that they had nothing. The defense was trying to get rallied every time they went out on the field. And the Bills were like, yeah, defense, you can beat us. And it's like, no, fucking stop. That was so bad. Fucking stop giving them opportunities. Fucking stop letting them back in this game. Yeah. Fucking just 
don't go for the home run ball every fucking time. Yeah. You know? You have an out route. Take the out route. For fuck's sake, you have two security blankets on either side of the line with your tight ends. Take either of them. Yeah. <laughs> for fuck's sake, man. No, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. So... Are we ready to move on to the meat of the... Yeah, I don't really necessarily have too much more. I, I, I was looking through the stats. I think the only other big thing was that the Packers came back to win. That they was, did come back, which that they was were losing impressive, the whole game. That yep. was very impressive, very classic I Packers. do have to give a shout-out to uh, the field goal kicker for Indy. I believe his last name is Gay. Yeah. He, had, he set the NFL record for the only person to kick four field goals over 50 yards and make them in a game. Wow. He had uh, like a 33-yard, but then he had like a 52, two 53s, and a 54. Wow. And one of them won the won yeah. the game in overtime. Yeah. So it's like, that's pretty fucking yeah. awesome. Chargers actually held out to win, although it looked like the Vikings were going to make a late <laughs> run there at the very end. Uh, Lions beat out the Falcons, who have come out like yep. a, a bird on fire. Yep. You know, the Falcons. I'm very interested for tomorrow night because I am a big fan of Baker Mayfield. Yeah. So I'm very curious to see what... Uh, Tampa Bay does at home against the Eagles, who have yeah. not looked good. They've looked, I won't say beatable, but they haven't put teams away no. in a, uh, a definitive manner. Yeah. That that week where they got so lucky against the Patriots, where they, again, were just basically inviting the Patriots to win the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Patriots just couldn't get their feet down. Yeah. Uh, was, you know, they the Eagles won last week, but again, not necessarily in this, like, really convincing way, kind of in this... Oh yeah, we're gonna beat the Vikings and it's mm-hmm. gonna be kind of close, but not really. And we're gonna rely on the Vikings to beat themselves. Mm-hmm. So like, I I'm I'm very curious about I'm very that. Very curious. I want to see if the Bengals can bounce back against the Rams. That's gonna be another big one. I don't know. I don't think so. Bengals are having a rough year. And the Rams actually are not playing bad. No, they're, they're having actually a good playing year. pretty good. Yeah, they're, I can't pronounce his name, but the the kid who's their leading wide receiver right now. I want to say um, it's like Puku. It's something. It's something that I would butcher. Yeah. But he's. I picked him up, so I have the. Well, prior to this week, because Dallas's defense screwed me over, I had the three highest fantasy point producers in the NFL, and Tyree Kill, that kid from the Rams, and Dallas's defense. Tyree continued it, and I think Keenan Allen jumped ahead of the Dallas's defense after this week. Yeah. Dallas's defense went way down because they. Yeah, they have Puku. They have Puka Nakua, and I they have Tutu him. Atwell. Are the two the Puka Nakua, I yeah, believe is the name. The two wide receivers that have just exploded oh, out yeah. well, Cooper Cup's on the, the IR. So yeah, good day for football as long as your team won. <laughs> if you're uh, the Bears, long day for football. Hey, my team's gonna win the number one draft pick again. Yeah, now you just need to not trade it and invest two years in wisely. In a row, man. Hey, you know, some teams bounce back off of those. Well, kind next of week I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the the quarterback from USC because I'm gonna watch that game against Colorado. It's like maybe I'm watching my new quarterback. Maybe Caleb just hope was it Caleb Williams? I think his last name is. Maybe just hope that Deion Sanders' son does a one year and is like, "See ya, pops. <laughs> You've taught me all I can learn." Not after the game he put up against the Ducks or lack thereof. Oh, was it bad? They got destroyed by the Ducks, and he he barely was even conscious in that game. Mm. For all the talk of Shadur, it's like, okay, well, maybe next week against USC if he can prove something. Yeah. But this past week, he showed that, okay, you can put up numbers against bad teams, but... Yeah, can you put up numbers against yeah, good exact teams? Exactly, Mundo, exactly. The same problem the Bills have. You can put up numbers yeah. when it doesn't matter. 
Can you put up numbers when it does matter? Well, let's hope they figure that out. Yeah. All right, so we got to move on to Ahsoka, which we are now going to be talking about episode six. Yes. So, you know, last episode was the big episode that we got to see Anakin. There was some great lightsaber fighting. This one, we get introduced to another character, one that's been talked about quite a bit. Yep. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Captain Blueskin. Yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed this, the way they, they played this character. Yeah. He was... He reminded me a lot of Tarkin. Yeah, he has big Tarkin in it. Very much. Like it's I, I it's like they just said, Hey, we want to make Tarkin with blue skin and red eyes. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. Red eyed blue skin. Yeah. I play my red eyed blue skin admiral. Um But he no, played it really well. He does. Very uh, well. uh Lars Mac Mickelson, who uh-huh. also plays him in the animated series, does the voice for him there too, and is the wizard that doesn't like Yennefer in The Witcher. Oh, that's who right. Who has all the naked ladies in his house. That's right. I um, forgot about that. Yes. So he does a very good job as Thrawn. Great job. I'm impressed that he sat through all that makeup. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of about. makeup. Um, Thrawn is such a bizarre character in a lot of ways yeah. because he's menacing. But also there's just a lot of moments where you kind of want, at least from my perspective, mm. watching him, him in Rebels, I was like, I feel like you should be more anything you're mm. too calm and i get that that's like your whole thing is being calm and methodical and not letting mm. the the emotion of the situation get to you so you're always one step ahead of everybody but at the same time there are kind of moments where i'm like i don't know this, this kid I, yeah. I can't get a read on this guy well and it's the same in the heir to the empire i'm i'm reading to my son right now he's the main villain in that and it's the same thing he's just no matter if something negative he's like yeah. Right, let's not let it happen again. Yeah. <laughs> He's just very, very calm. I, I did love that moment when he shows up and uh, the witches are like, they brought a hostage. And he's like, you weren't supposed to bring a hostage. And they're like, oh, it's Sabine Wren. And he's like, oh, I'm glad you brought that hostage. <laughs> what does he say? It's nice to see a familiar yes. face. <laughs> yes. I awesome. did expect a bigger reaction out yeah. of him because there's like this whole back and forth between him and Sabine. Um, he steals her artwork from mm. ver- at various times in the show. It's it, They have a very interesting, like, they never directly like fight a whole lot, but mm. they're, they're on opposite ends of this tug of war in a lot of ways. Um, so we, we meet Thrawn and we meet the witches and we're, on is it Dothamir? I, they I feel like they said I it. So, yeah. They I feel like they said the people were from Dothamir, but the planet was named something else. Mm. So uh, that was confusing. I did love at the beginning when you see the planet and it's just this big planet with the rings around it, and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you get closer and you find out that the rings are all whale skeletons. That's right, a whale like, graveyard. Ah, oh, that was pretty fun. This cool. I like. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. Cool. This I like. Yeah. I did think that they did a good job of pacing things out in this episode. Yes. There were still a few moments, especially when that transport is going from the warp ring to the planet. There were a few moments there where I was like. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we're gonna land soon, mm. right? <laughs> this is starting to feel like traveling Star Wars takes fucking forever, <laughs> which has never been a thing I've ever experienced in Star Wars. It was like, ah oh, man, when are we gonna fucking get there? <laughs> yeah, the editing was a little. It was again a rough in a couple I, scenes. Again, it was a little self indulgent yeah. at times of just like, look how artistic we are, and I'm sitting here like. 
I don't know that it's artistry, guys. I feel like it's padding. Mm. It feels more like padding than yeah, artistry. I agree with you on that. Um, but that being said, it was a solid episode. It was a very good episode. Very good episode. I like the pirates that the bandits that she encounters. Mm-hmm. I did the one moment that I was like, um, I again, we don't know what the fuck has been going on between Ezra and Thrawn, mm-hmm. right? Ezra and Thrawn, they do hate each other. They do have quite a lot of aggression towards each other. And uh, I feel like after Ezra trapped him on this, mm. this you know, planet. With the turtles. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to get to the turtles. We're going to get to the turtles. Um, I, I agree. Thrawn would keep tabs on where Ezra is. I do wonder how... I, I, how did Sabine find Ezra so easily? Yes, <laughs> and Thrawn, Thrawn was like, "I'll give you our leads," and it's like, I feel like if it was this easy, you would have found him already and raised that little turtle village to the ground, yeah. <laughs> so you could burn Ezra out, if for no other reason because you don't want him fucking with any other schemes you might have. And the funny thing is, going into our uh, our video game Zelda talk, when she found the first turtle, I thought it was like finding a Korok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did like I did like the the steed that she has that was very willow to me that felt like those dogs from it, willow it was I also it had reminiscent uh, reminded me a lot of Lord of the Rings the the wards, wards. but it was like man that thing became her friend mm. really fast really fast apparently the Dothmiri witches train they must their dude. howlers very well. Because like it was like whining to her, like it wanted it to, wanted it was her following to pat her. Him and follow her. It's like even dude, when that it, thing was like gonna rip her face yeah. off just five minutes earlier. Well, like the she's riding this thing. These bandits show up. Mm. The howler runs. She fights these bandits. It's a pretty mm. good fight. Again, we're getting better at these fights. It They're, feels like yes, very much. It so. feels like the choreo is more ingrained in the actors and. You really have a sense of speed and tempo and timing here that was a little lacking at the beginning of the season. I feel like they've really kind of ironed that down to a mm-hmm. nice sheen at this point. I did say, though, that force. fight, it, at one point I was like, you're, you're taking way too long to take your lightsaber out. Yeah. <laughs> Why did it take what this long? she finally did, it's like, oh, no what do you know? shit. I, like, I didn't know you were going to take your lightsaber out to win this fucking fight. Yeah, yeah. You should have done it fucking two minutes yeah. ago. Yeah. Sabine leaves. Mm-hmm triumphant continues her search for ezra however she's going to do that and then the howler comes back to her and is like don't leave me i'm sorry mm-hmm. and i'm like and she's scolding it yeah. when did like, this happen <laughs> have they been out here for three weird, weeks together what, what when did this happen yeah that was weird and it, i only bring it up because the howler is essential to her finding the turtle people yeah. who bring her to ezra because they recognize the rebellion insignia on her armor mm. And so I'm like, okay, all right, I'll allow it. But uh, that's where, because Thrawn had a Star Destroyer with yeah. all of its sensors, and he can't find Ezra. Yeah. She found him, and like, he has witches that should be able to sense the force. They they can read the future yeah. and all these other things, but they can't tell when a Jedi is on their planet. I don't know. This, yeah. this is something that you see in Rebels a lot, is they give you this conceit and you're supposed to just take it and be like yes i believe this this is fine Mm -hmm. and then you aren't supposed to be like but also i can poke 
a million holes in yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I wanted exactly. to. I'm just supposed to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it your paper craft is beautiful mm. in spite of the fact that I could easily destroy it. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to just sit here and appreciate how beautiful it is. Yeah. And unfortunately, you don't. You don't really want that out of Star Wars like you do out of Paper Cranes. <laughs> That's not really the, the mentality that you want to go for. Mm. I think this is just Dave Filoni's writing style as a whole. Yeah. Is just he he's like, I like this idea. That's kind of an overarching stereotype archetype kind of thing. Yes. And so it's like, oh, the the master and the beast come together and the beast brings the master to their quarry. Mm. It's like, okay, I get what you're doing. Mm. I've seen this story a million times. I don't know that it fits here exactly. really well. Exactly. And you can't just keep doing that, Filoni, where you're like, I like this concept. I'm going to put it right here. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it doesn't really fit there, though. And it kind of just sits there like a big blob of mud. Mm. And I, all the rest of this is really well done and ornate. And I just feel like... This fresco is kind of ruined by the big blob of mud you put in it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. But, I mean, on a whole, I would, you know, I'd say this is in the B+. Plus, B, oh, B plus I, range. I still like this. The Cult of Thrawn is great. It's very cool. That's cool. With, and I like the adjustments to the Stormtrooper exactly, armors and stuff. They've been putting their armor back together because yeah. they, they've just been losing people over the course of, like, the five or so years mm. that they've been on this planet. I love Enoch. I Enoch I was so sure Ezra. that Enoch was going to be Ezra. I was so sure. I was <laughs> just I waiting for, for him to take off that helmet and be like, it's Ezra and he's fallen to the dark side or mm. he's had his mind wiped or some other nonsense. And No, he's living in a hut over here. And he doesn't have blue hair anymore. I guess he was also dying his hair that yeah. whole time. He has really blue eyes and not blue hair. And it's like he's got this great use of the Force and he's got these Force abilities but he couldn't sense any of the like deception Sabine had pulled to get to the planet yeah. and all that. And, and he's not nervous when Sabine's like, let's not talk about how yeah, I got here. Yeah, kind of blew that off. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. Because when he finds out exactly what happened, he's probably not going to be too happy since he sacrificed five years of his life to get rid of Thrawn. Yeah. And she just gave him up for... Yeah, she was like, yeah, no, but I want my friend back. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and now okay. you're unleashing Thrawn. Yeah. Well, we have to see what happens. We're going to see what happens. Because they still are on the planet. They haven't yeah. left yet. And I'm I'm still waiting for Hera to show up at the 11th hour with some squadron of people that are going to bail them all out. Yeah, I don't know how they would do that, though. I, I think that she's literally just going to show up. And she's going to be like, find we figured out how to track the whale's pattern through hyperspace. You know, that's probably not fucking far off. You but might like, have just given away a plot device. This was something that I did find annoying about the writing. And I've been meaning to bring this up for a few weeks now. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad I finally remembered. They need to stop referring to things as maps to blank. Mm -hmm. Right? In Force Awakens, it makes sense. Luke is in hiding. The key, as it turns out, is getting R2's data. Mm. And, you know, okay, cool. I get that. Don't call this a map to Thrawn. That's a terrible... Because <laughs> it's in this ancient hole and all these weird things about it. And you're like, there's no way that's what this is. Yeah. Say that this is a map showing how, you know, the, 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 the migration patterns mm. of the Pergil or something... How to get back to Dothamir. Like, don't call this a map to Thrawn. Because that, 
is so not what it is. <laughs> it, it is that because that's what you're turning it, it into. It simplifies it. Yeah, it's reductive. Exactly. To this point of like, oh, that's how you see it. So that's mm-hmm. what you're calling it. But that's not what it is because that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So as an audience member, you're sitting here like, why would this map to Thrawn, who's only been missing for a few years, be in this ancient ruins... Mm-hmm. And be covered in dirt and dust and booby traps and all these other things. Why would it be so hard to find? Why you know all these? Other... Because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if you said that this was a a way to get back to the planet of these witches, and that's why they were hiding it. Uh, oh 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 that okay that I get that. Yes, in this context, yes, mm. you're using it as a map to Thrawn. You shouldn't call it a map to Thrawn. Yeah, exactly <laughs> it's confusing. It. Yeah. It's confusing. I agree with you. And I agree it, it's something that Star Wars does a little too often. Yeah. Is this is what this is? That's not what it is. That's what you're using it for. I kind of feel like that's a little bit of what's happening here every once in a while. It's yeah. like, what's your plan? My plan is to do this. That's not a plan. That's a goal. That's what you want to do. How how are you going to facilitate the doing of this? Well, and that has been the problem with Star Wars since Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. The writing has been so off. Yeah. Most of the time. Except for I watched um, Rogue One with my son the other day. I finally showed him Rogue oh, One. Oh, you finally did it. That third act is so brilliant. It is. It really... Like, the first two acts, I still enjoy them a lot, but I can see issues with people might have. That third fucking act on the planet, the fight is just... It's gra- amazing. Gripping. Yeah. Like, I I loved it so yeah. much. When I, I, I still will always hold it against Rogue One mm. for starting this whole, the crawl is not necessary. Mm. You're an idiot use the fucking crawl it's important it sets the tone it's really important i i i would explain it to you but you clearly don't get it so there's no way i can explain it to you that second act which i wonder if some of the reshoots are from where uh jen goes to save her father and andor lies to her about Mm. the whole mission and there's this all this stuff in the rain and everything and you have that now infamous line where andor says i've been in this fight since i was six years Mm. old which I still don't know how that can be yeah. true, given what we've seen in Andor. That that whole section is the reason I don't like Rogue One, mm-hmm. is because it takes this story that has propulsion and energy, and it just puts this weird Ocean's Eleven heist kind of thing mm-hmm. in the middle of it, of like, we gotta do this thing, and it's gonna take all of us together to do this one thing. And it's just like, or... We could not do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could have the second act be something entirely different. Where we hang out at the Rebel Base. And I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, the only saving grace for me in that whole scene is I do love when the X-Wings show up. Mm-hmm. And they're flying through the canyons in the rain at night and bombarding. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. But I agree that whole part didn't really need to happen. Yeah. You could have found a different way for Galen to die and, and Jin to find out or like have her final... Or you do something where, I'm just pulling this off my ass, you have Jin at the Rebel base talking to, let's say, Mon Mothma, because Mm. she's perfect for these situations, and we have a Mon Mothma, let's just plug her right in, right here, she goes right here, perfect. So she's talking to Mon Mothma, and she's like, oh, I gotta go save my dad, Galen Erso, it's really important, and she's like, I have some footage that I think you should see. And we have the footage from the X-Wings. So you still get that shot of them going through the canyon and everything. And then we get, like, the the view that the X-Wing shows us, which is not 
technically just the view, but like kind of the we get the dramatic version of it, mm-hmm. which is just Galen that scene of Galen dying when Krennic is interviewing him and killing all of his men and that whole thing, and then we cut back to Jin, and after the bombs have dropped and they've destroyed that that imperial base, and Jin's just like, oh. Mm. <laughs> Oh, and then you can still go into the whole, like, Andor had a mission to kill her father and all these other things. And you can still do all that without this distraction of going to the planet mm-hmm. and this whole, like, subterfuge thing. You can do that more elegantly. I do have to say, though, and this that movie is where I liked Ben Mendelsohn the most, but I've realized I don't like him as an actor. I don't have anything against There's him, really but I want him to make better I've... decisions. Yeah, but it's like, his just his delivery and... You know, he's, they play him off to be this kind of tough, scary guy, but then he's also, also like a Three Stooges character yeah. where he's kind of incompetent and does stupid shit. That annoyed that me too. that was in like Ready Player One and in and, and Secret Invasion. It's like, that's his character arc in everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's annoying as fuck. Yeah. No, like, I agree with that. How is this guy that's like the architect of the Death Star so incompetent? Yeah. Yeah, doesn't no. make any fucking sense. That, that was always something that bothered me was just how whiny Krennic was. Yes. Of just like, blah, blah, blah. Which that seems to be the new thing with Star Wars. It's like, we need to have a character who's just a fucking whiny little bastard. Yeah. And they're going to be one of the bad guys. Yes. And that's why we hate them is because they whine all the time about not getting their way. And then Darth Vader chokes them out and we're all like, yeah, Vader, fucking kill him. And then, and then Vader has a funny one-liner. Don't let your ambition choke, Vega Boy. Don't. <laughs> is that what he would say? <laughs> I can't remember the line. Don't, don't choke on your ambition, whatever the fuck like it is. That, yeah, something like that. So, I like this episode of Ahsoka. I do too. I, I find it interesting that they have done this bifurcation, mm-hmm. where we were talking last week about how it might have been nice to see some of the stuff going on with Sabine while all this other stuff was going on with Ahsoka and Hera. Mm-hmm. And now we see why they didn't do that, because they just had... You had... Ahsoka Hera section and the Sabine section, which I did like one moment of when they realized that the Pergil were coming to the planet. Yes. And you kind of got the sense of like, oh, the timelines are coming together. So this is what she, Sabine's been doing the whole time that this was happening with Ahsoka and this is what was going on with Ahsoka the whole time this was happening with Sabine. Mm -hmm. So I did like that moment. I'm really curious to see how this ends. We got two episodes left. I think that they can pull off something really cool here. I, I, I'm also very scared that they're gonna blow it. <laughs> There's a good shot they'll blow it. I, I don't. Star Wars has such a tricky history with, you know, landing the routine. Yes. There's nothing that says that they're not going to be able to land this. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if they will. I mean, honestly, this is the first Star Wars show since Andor. I mean, I mean, I know it hasn't been a lot since Andor, but where it I'm felt actually, like a lot. <laughs> it felt like a lot, but I'm actually like anticipating the next episode. Yeah, which is a good thing, I guess I should say for Star Wars shows. Typically, I'm like, I don't want to fucking yeah. watch the next one. Yeah, like Obi Wan, we had to fight to get through. Oh the next god, episode. that was a slog. Was you a want slog. to talk about a slog? That was. A I mean, fucking how many episodes slog. we got left? It's. We only have two episodes yeah, left. Yeah, two episodes That's left. It. So they got they get like you said, they gotta finish strong, man. We gotta we gotta land this ship. And it better not be like whimper into a cliffhanger that we gotta and wait it for the next. Better not be some big special effects heavy thing that overshadows the actual drama that the series has been trying to build. Yeah. Because the series has effectively built some level of drama. Yes. And the plot holes and silly decisions that they make notwithstanding, mm-hmm. there is a sense of real purpose to the storytelling mm-hmm. where it doesn't just feel kind of meandering or fan servicey of like 
we're just going to cram as many things as we can. You know, that was one of the problems with Obi-Wan of just like, we're going to have fan service here and anywhere where there's not fan service, there's going to be merch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, this fucking exactly. sucks. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that nightmare of a fucking show. So as long as they don't do that, yeah. I think we'll be fine. I agree. I agree. Well, let's fingers crossed. Yeah. All right, so we got to move on to our main topic. Main topic, we're going to be doing a review of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which yes. just came out streaming on Paramount Plus, and it's also you can Buy purchase it, on... it digitally, which I think it's nineteen ninety nine digitally. Yeah. I don't think you can rent it yet, but you can purchase yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's only available um, for purchase. And then we thought we would, you know, kind of talk some turtles talk and some, some of those, some of the memories we've had from the past, things we've liked and didn't like. I like um, toitles. I like toitles. So I gotta say, I I really like this movie. I I like this movie. Mm-hmm. Caveat: It's fully different than any oh, other Ninja different. Turtles story. But I think that's the thing I liked. I liked the interpretation of April O'Neil. I liked April in this. A lot. It was great, and I loved actual teenagers voicing the turtles. It felt like teenagers. Yeah, not like adults. Pretending to be teenagers. The tone. I really oh, like the tone. Very good. I really liked a lot of elements of the tone. I really liked the characterization of most of the characters. Yep. I liked how they brought back some of these big players who are never going to be in a movie. Leatherhead, yep. Mondo Gecko, never going to be in a movie unless it's something awesome. like this. And they're great. They're great. I, I've never seen a female Leatherhead. Yeah. That was interesting. Played by Rose Byrne. That was a weird choice, but I'll, you know, I don't have a problem with it. That's yep. totally fine. Just an interesting choice compared to all the other Leather Heads I've known in my various travels through the Turtle universes. I like this movie. I like the style of it. I really like the animation for yes, it. Yes, it was very into the Spider-Verse yes, type of animation. Yes, and it, it's this nice blend of 2D, 3D, yes. where it is 3D but has a lot of 2D elements to it, so the texture and the feel of it mm. is very 2D. I would be lying if I said that I liked all of this movie more than most Ninja Turtle mm-hmm. stuff. I I like the conceit and the, the kind of mirroring mm-hmm. between Superfly and Splinter of like, they tried to go out and live with humans. It didn't go great. So now they're going to protect their family. I like that. Splinter teaching the turtles using VHS videos. Yeah. That was my saddest thing about this movie is I, I love Jackie Chan. I love Jackie Chan as Splinter. But I really didn't like Splinter in this. I, I like Splinter in concept and execution. Mm. I didn't love his design, the the hair and like the yeah, bathroom. It's it not my favorite Splinter look, but it's fine. You know, whatever. But even like, because to me, I understand you're going to, like, they change things about you know, kind of move things around about, you know, Splinter didn't learn from his master who, you know, he was just a rat that got... And he's not the master in the first place. You know, most of the time you have this split. Either Splinter was the rat of Hamato Yoshi who learned by watching his master, or Splinter is Hamato Yoshi Mm -hmm. who is now teaching the next generation of students. Yes. This is neither. Neither. This is Splinter is a rat from New York, and he gets dipped in some mutagen with the turtles and uses VHS tapes to teach them self-defense, which turns into kung fu movies, which turns into ninjutsu. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I was fully satisfied And it's also the tone of Splinter, because he, he was always like the... The really reserved, like almost Yoda-like character. Yeah, 
And it, he was more just like, I'm just a concerned father in this, and I'm the dad. And it's like... There are always moments with Splinter of, I gotta watch my stories. But they're, they're jokes. Yes. This was almost only, I gotta watch my stories. Exactly. And I'm just sitting here like, this is fine, but it's not as good as other interpretations. I, I agree. Same with Raph and Leo. Now... Cards on the table, Raph and Leo are my favorite turtles. Mm. Like, I can't pick between the two of them because they are each part of my personality, mm. right? I see myself in both characters. Didn't love them, either of them here. See, here's where, here's where I will break from you. I like them because they acted more like chill, like kids. Yes. Like in the other, like in the, the li- first live action movie and some of the other um, cartoons and whatnot, they're the more serious ones of the two. But to me, a lot of times they just acted more like an adult character mm-hmm. than an actual teenager. Where here, you could see, like, you know, this is their first time really. They don't even know fighting. Yeah. They never fought anybody. That was an interesting choice. Was, again, a very strict departure. Yes. the turtles are usually really good at yeah. fighting. Not here. No. <laughs> they are not good at fighting. It's a very interesting choice. And it goes with that whole idea of de-aging them to, like, I say de-aging. They've always supposed to have been teenagers. Mm. But this is, like, the most teenagers they've yes, ever been. I agree. And so you really get that sense of, like, they they haven't mastered anything. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all still really raw and really learning. And I like that. Yeah. I did miss the competency, though. It, it did remind That's me true. a little bit of homecoming of that sense of, like, is it interesting to see a character before they are capable at doing their job? Uh-huh. Yes. Is it more interesting to see that character grow into capability over the course of the film? Yes. Did they do that here? Mostly. See, I can see them playing off their personalities to the Splinter in this movie, mm-hmm. to where Splinter usually was very stoic, and those two were closest to Splinter, and so they were had more of a stoic kind of leadership. Where this one, Splinter's a little goofier, mm-hmm. and so they're they don't have that. Yeah. So yeah, I could see what you're saying, but I think based on the lore they created in this, it makes more sense. Yeah. For no, them. See, this is what I like about this movie, is that the parts are all built to a whole here. Yes. All of the parts work together to build to a whole. There's no sense of like this doesn't work and so this doesn't work and so this doesn't work. Mm. It's really just how you feel about those choices. Yes, I agree. That is going to be interdependent on whether you are okay with some of the times where they kind of lean away from the more standardized turtle story, which by the way, we give Spider-Man a hard time for rewriting the same movie over and over again. Every turtle show and movie is exactly the same on a fundamental level. <laughs> and so to break so drastically, I say drastically, it's still it was pretty, pretty much the same. But in it, a lot of areas. In a lot of ways, I mean, it was a drastic have, change. Not to have Shredder in the... At all. At all, until the very little like the spoiler very... cam, like back of his head cameo. Yeah. Like that was... I thought that was refreshing. I was like, yeah. no Foot Clan, no Shredder, yeah. no Kang. No. It's just these other mutants and it's who are technically like family yeah. with the Turtles. Yeah. That they have to fight against. And they do kind of show their hand because uh, Cynthia Utram, mm. uh, the head of TCRI, Utram is the race that the Krang are. Oh. And so, depending, you. various canons have portrayed the Utram differently. Um, but 
the implication that I get is that she is part of the Krang mm. continuum, whatever you want to call it. They clearly have a plan, mm. which I'm super psyched about. One of the things I'm most excited for is just the vision for this whole thing. Mm. Because you can really tell, A, that they know what they wanted to do. What lines they want to hit in terms of like characterizations and characters mm. and you know fan service and these kinds of things. But... They also bring a new flair and identity. Mm. We I've never seen a version of the turtles that ends with them actually going to high school. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, okay, this is dynamic and interesting, yes. and so fully different from so many other interpretations of the characters that it is refreshing. And so it's just like, am I annoyed that Raph is just angry and should go to therapy, mm. and Leo is he's not a leader mm. in any capacity? Until the very end. Mm -hmm. And he's just puppy sick over April O'Neil. Yes. Which I, I've seen, again, I've seen this, but this isn't the first time I've seen a turtle sexually attracted to April O'Neil. Oh my God. I've seen it before. Because he's usually Michelangelo in a lot of the. I've seen him Michelangelo, I've seen Donatello, I've seen yeah. all kinds of characters be sexually attracted to April O'Neil. This was maybe the most I was like, okay, all right, let, let's keep going, mm. let's, let's build something else. But that's again because Leo is like my boy, mm. and I don't want to see him devolved into this just like lovesick puppy of like. Oh, but I don't want April. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of April. And it's like, okay, or you could be a leader. Yeah. You could be standing there being a leader. And he doesn't take up that leadership role until mm. the very end of the movie. I get it. Hero's Journey. But in all Turtle stuff, that leadership role, Leo already has it. Mm -hmm. And he has some fundamental footing in it. And by taking out even the basic level mm. of mastery that they've had, that's just not there. Well, this to me was more of an origin story than most turtle things. Definitely, because you are seeing them fighting for the first time and them being out in public for the yeah. first time and all that. Well, they break into grocery stores and steal food and yeah. shit. But other than that, this is actually them interacting for the first time. Yeah. So it was, um, dude. I thought my son was gonna have a heart attack. And I actually <laughs> was laughing so hard with Puke Girl when they show April yeah. Neil puking at the more. That was the funniest <laughs> fucking went thing. On, that went on just a little too long. That's why I made it great. I was like, is it gonna end? And then she falls over, and you see. I was dying. My son, like I said, he was rolling on the bed, just laughing his ass off. Yeah, that was pretty fucking yeah. funny. I liked the writing a lot here. I did get sick of the references pretty quick. There were yeah, there were a lot there were of too many references. The needle drops we can get. You know, past whatever, that's yeah. fine. I love that Ice Cube plays the villain and quotes his own songs as Superfly. I fucking loved Ice <laughs> that Cube. That was great. I loved Ice Cube as the, as the voice. He was, I, and, and I, I, I know you know this and some people, I really don't like hip hop. I hate, I don't like rap. It's just not my thing. But Ice Cube in movies and TV, mm. I love, you know, 21 and 22 Jump Street are great. His voice acting in this was Awesome. So good. It was so fucking so good. good. He nailed everything. And to the fact that he was able, you have Jackie Chan on one side and Ice Cube on the other, yeah. and it never it never even feels forced. No. It feels like this honest push and pull between these two lines where these characters are basically the same with in terms of like their ideals and what they want. Yeah. It's the the way that they go about things that is so different. And I I really liked the end of this movie. I really yeah. liked there was definitely this moment of like, see, boy's going to do anything about this. <laughs> You're just going to watch. Because, mm -hmm. again, I've never seen the turtles react so slowly to a, mm -hmm. a crisis of like, 
man, this is bad. I hope somebody does something mm. about it. It's you. <laughs> you guys, you four, mm. you're supposed to be doing anything about it. But I did really like it. I thought that they pulled off something that Spider-Man has tried so hard mm. <laughs> and so fervently to pull off. And with very mixed success, I, I, I look at Spider-Man 1, okay. Spider-Man 2 on the subway, we got it. Yeah. That's the success. Every other time that the blue-collar worker has come to save Spider-Man or the the average New Yorker, shit. it's bad. Yeah. Whether it's the stupid people at the end of Spider-Man 3, whether it's the crane operators oh, in God, Amazing Spider-Man 1. Oh, God, the crane operators. That it's, was the worst. It's always bad. Yeah. It's always bad. Whether it's the, the fucking doctors and nurses and air traffic controllers in Amazing Spider-Man 2, it's always terrible. Mm -hmm. And they've always insisted on doing it. And I think the Turtles actually pulled it off here. I liked it here a whole lot more, and I thought it worked better with what was happening in the story mm. to have the whole town come together. Town. The whole of New York City come together. Well, more like Midtown Manhattan. But you know what I'm saying. It's always very funny when I'm watching a movie and I recognize the street corner. Mm. I'm like, hey, I know what that is. Yeah, awesome. um, but I, I did like this a lot. I did get very nervous about the giant mutagen monster oh yeah, and i was like how are we gonna well, resolve again, this i think if it wasn't ice cube voicing it because he made it funny and then like when they throw the the vial and it hits him on the outside and just the horse falls out and runs away yes. i was like that's fucking funny the, the moment where he goes into the the zoo i i actually had this moment of like no no yeah. this is not okay and he comes out and he's like my feet are made out of horses i'm like i don't <laughs> feel good about this i feel pretty bad about yeah. this oh my god i was fucking dying and i've seen a lot of puddles in new york i've never seen a puddle big enough for a blue whale yeah, that's true too. <laughs> blue whale falls out but oh. i i do like this movie i do like how different it is and how Very brave different. it is to be different and assertive in that well, this is something you and i have preached about if you're going we preached about it with little mermaid last week if you're gonna remake something, or if you're gonna, you gotta take chances. Yeah. And they took chances in this. Yeah. The only thing that really makes you feel like the original comic book is that scene of the turtles in the ooze and Splinter as the rat looking at them. It's like that could have taken right out of the comic book. Yeah. That picture. But then the rest of it, yeah, you have Bebop and Rocksteady, but this was far different than any Bebop and Rocksteady we've ever seen. Yeah. And they ended up being good guys at the end. Yeah. It's like. Jesus Christ. And you have good writing here. Yeah, oh, it was great Where, writing. like, we were talking about this before the show, and I, I joked with Kelly about this when we were watching it. At the very beginning of the movie, this is not a spoiler, this is literally the very beginning of the movie, we see Bongster Storkman, or Bingster Bonkman, or what's his name? Baxter Stockman. Mm -hmm. Any people who watch the 2010 Ninja Turtles out mm -hmm. there. He has a wall of science and just like little notes on things dna from this dna from that blah 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 and you hear like i'm gonna do the blue blue and he does this whole like i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna do mm -hmm. and then he gets fucking popped by the feds and dies <laughs> which again very different than any other interpretation of this character i've seen baxter stockman be a floating head in a tank i've seen baxter stockman be a giant fly i've seen everything in between and this is new. <laughs> and I did like how they didn't show you Fly Guy at first. And so uh, I, I know myself and I bet other people are like, is that Splinter in there? Yeah. And it's going to be a rat? No, it's a big fucking fly. Yeah, it's, it's like, a oh, giant okay. fly. Yeah, okay. Basically, this mm. is all set up later on when we meet all these mutants, why there's a warthog and why there's a rhinoceros and why there's Attila the Frog. 
which it's Catilla the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko might be one of my favorite things. Of it all was time. pretty fucking. It's awesome. pretty fucking. Great. It was pretty fucking awesome. Going, we can transition into bad Ninja Turtles if we want to. Here, yes, we've seen this done extremely poorly very recently. Anybody who's seen Out of the Shadows, the second Michael Bay one, will remember that we're told by Baxter Stockman that you don't need animals to mutate someone into an animal because everybody's got a little animal this DNA. This is their take on midichlorians, pretty much. Left in them from evolution. Evolution isn't a clean process, baby. You got some warthog in you. You got a little gecko in you. And it's like, this is stupid. Even though all humans came from apes but yeah. you know we're not gonna talk yeah, about it's that not all the mutants should be like king kong but no they're gonna yeah, be rhinos important you have world. you have rhino dna yeah. in your blood just don't don't be brave about it okay and admit it you have rhino dna in your yeah. blood it's like no this is fucking stupid oh, and so here stupid. here it's like okay we don't have april o'neill who accidentally flushes four turtles down the drain mm. we don't have the turtles being from tcri we have turtles in a sewer rat in new york mutagen let's go yep. and it's just so refreshing compared to some of the ham-fisted approaches oh. that have been used in turtle movies to justify things i so much rather just going on the ride and being like i don't fucking care yeah. <laughs> i don't fucking care how does in the the i think it's 2009 tmnt with chris evans how did these giant stone people move around mm. did, i don't fucking care I don't yeah. fucking care. No, that that I and I have gone back. I went back and rewatched that one, and I remember like I didn't really like that too much. I uh, I my my biggest issue with it is that at one point they're like, we have to capture this thirteenth monster, mm. and then we see a thirteenth monster destroy a diner, and then we see that thirteenth monster in a cage, and the bad guys are still like, we gotta find this thirteenth monster, mm. and I'm like. You already said that. Yeah, it was so bad. I I I don't mind that one. I the animation annoys me. Yeah, again, I I just don't like the animation. I don't like the way things move, and I don't like the way things look. What are you gonna do? Out of all of the Ninja Turtle properties, I'd probably put Mutant Mayhem like second. I still think I like the original more, just because again. Are you talking to live action movie? Live action movie. Okay, before we move on to that, what what do you give a grade on on Mutant Mayhem? I give mutant mayhem an a minus i think i'm there with you i'd say a minus it's not perfect and there are some things it's enjoyable that really irk me but yeah. i did genuinely like a lot of it yeah and it gave me that turtle buzz does donnie invent anything no is that kind of a bummer is the only thing that donnie donnie uses machines for is that he can drive yeah mm-hmm. it's fine is it weird that mikey doesn't have a skateboard until like two-thirds of the way through the movie. I gotta admit, though, when Donnie and them jumped into the pizza van, I was like, oh my god, yeah. that's a turtle van. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited yeah. when I saw Get that. Get that party wagon running. Yeah, yeah, baby. No, but, like, I I, I really like Donnie here. I he was, was great. really surprised at how much I like something Donnie. something long and Sticky. <laughs> <laughs> I got it! Yeah. No, but, like, Donnie got to take the... Because, I agree with you, Raph and Leo become the center stage yes. of almost every Ninja Turtles movie. And then you have Donnie and Mikey as comic relief. And I did appreciate they didn't overdo it with Mikey in this. Like, they've no. done in a lot of things. They had Mikey be funny, but not too abrasive. Yeah, he's and they had, obnoxious. They had Donnie be kind of the lead turtle. He's the one yep. that does most of the talking. He's the one that interacts with people the most. And then you have Raph, who just says something 
crazy and Mikey who says something funny and Leo who's like, I like April. (laughs) But Donnie, as a result, kind of has to pick up the slack. And I thought that that was really good. I would have switched some of the voices around a little bit, I think. Mm -hmm. I might have had Raph have the voice actor that Mikey had Mm -hmm. and, you know, a few other small changes. But I like Donnie's voice not having actually dropped yet i thought that was a fun touch and again plays into them actually being teenagers Uh and like i i really like the vision of this movie it's literally just a few taste things where i'm like ah i wish you used leo better nitpicky shit you and i love to do yeah yeah Yeah. exactly but it doesn't get in the way of enjoying the movie when you're watching the movie you're still like do i wish they were better ninjas yeah but this is still really good yeah that fight in the the garage still really good fight Still really satisfying to watch. See, I give this. I still say it's. An, I, I still say it's. I'm agree with you. It's my number two turtle property, behind the OG comic. That's still always going to be my favorite. Yeah. The super violent. Um, but getting back to the first live action turtle movie. Yeah. I have rewatched that recently. I'm not saying it's good. A lot of my memory is nostalgic because I did see it at the old theater at um, Eastview Mall. There used to be a theater where. Uh, I think it's the Goodwill store is now. Mm-hmm. And I saw a couple movies there with my grandpa and he took me to see... No, my dad actually took me to see Turtles there. And I had a lot of nostalgia about it, but when I went back and rewatched it, animatronics not holding up aside, my problem with that is what I liked about this is I just felt like these are not teenagers. Mm. Yeah. These are too, too dramatic, too... You know, serious, too composed, way too composed. Yeah, they 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 are so fully realized that they can't be teenagers because teenagers, by their nature, are still baking. Yes, and the the nature of these characters is so fully realized that Leo is this, and Raph is this, and Mikey is this. Yes, and it's like okay, so they don't really have any room for growth beyond the hero's journey that they're about to go on. That doesn't sound like a teenager. That sounds like an adult. And I mean, even that, I will even take a knock on the OG comic book that I love. In that tonally, they're not really teen. Like, if you want to make them, if you want to use the term Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you need to make them like you did in this, where they act like teenagers. Yeah, they were genuine teenagers in this movie. Exactly. Any other property, they're Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. They're not fucking teenagers. You can drop And I think that was the most... The, the refreshing thing I took yeah. away from this. They seem more like, in, in my various travels of individuals, they seem closer to community college Ninja Turtles yeah. than they do teenage mutant Ninja exactly. Turtles. Exactly, exactly. I think that's part of what I like about Ninja Turtles is that structure and that formality. I, I went back, I didn't know this, uh, but when I went to watch the movie, I got an ad beforehand that Paramount Plus has all of the Ninja Turtles. Well they don't. Okay. <laughs> That's a broad overstatement. They have much of the Ninja Turtles. Okay. Of the OG 89 series, they only have two seasons. I think it equates to 18 episodes. Mm. That is not... No. It's <laughs> not even close no. to all of that. But, like, watching it back, it's so interesting to see that original series and how it brings up stuff. Mm-hmm. And it can be as ridiculous as having... <laughs> having April decide, or I guess report is a better way to put it, that there's a ninja outbreak in New York because they used rope that was made in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> that was... No. No. And and having voice actors voice different characters. So one character says a line, but it's voiced by a different voice actor than that character. And you're just like, man... 
Rob Paulson is voicing like three of the four Ninja Turtles in this scene. <laughs> and just, you know, it's it was the 80s, it was, you know, whatever, it was made to sell toys. It wasn't made to be taken seriously. I've seen so many other variations on the Ninja Turtles that are more adept at telling that story. But they always go back to that same central tenant that we've yeah. been talking about. I think the 2010 one, less so. But that one also is is aided by a really great voice acting mm-hmm. cast. That's true. Where you have Sean Astin as Raphael. Raphael. And uh, eventually we get to Seth Green as Leonardo. We have to sit through... I think three seasons of Jason Biggs playing mm-hmm. Leonardo, which isn't great, but again, not the worst I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that belongs to Johnny Knoxville, ladies and gentlemen. The worst Leonardo by far. That is still a weird decision to make Johnny Knoxville Leonardo. I don't know which was worse. Johnny Knoxville as Leonardo or Corey Feldman as Donatello. Both are bad. Um, It's got to be Corey Feldman as Donatello because honestly, when I watched that, when I rewatched the OG, and I was just every time he spoke, I was like, oh, "That's full coked out Corey Feldman yeah. right there." Yeah, like it's it's not even oh, it wasn't even enjoyable whatsoever. Yeah, and I understand they wanted name, they wanted at least a name because going back and looking at some of the voice cast, you know, Robbie Rist did Michelangelo, and he was uh, oh the Brady Bunch. He was cousin Oliver <laughs> on the Brady Bunch. So, but in, in reality, he was the other big name that voiced a turtle. Yeah. So it's like, Jesus yeah, no, they, they, they had didn't. To put somebody in there. Yeah, exactly. They they needed some kind of names, and yeah. I, I get it. But... See, and here's the only thing I missed about this in this movie. And once again, I'm I, I hope they do make a sequel because they did tease Shredder. Yeah. And. They seem to be ready to make a sequel. Like, they have I the story so. planned. They know what they're going to do. They're just about animating it at this point. You got you to gotta nail Casey Jones. Because I loved Elias Cotias as Casey Jones in the OG movie. That was a huge element missing so here. Great. I did want a Casey Jones type. And I was bummed about, um, as much as I hate the Michael Bay Turtle movies, I was deep into Arrow when the second one came out and Stephen Amell playing Casey Jones. I was like... Oh, maybe this would be good. It was not good. It was not good at all. And I was so bummed out because I love Casey Jones. It's just the greatest, like, mix between Batman and the Punisher. Yeah. And he's awesome. And I'm like, dude. He's a surfer and an idiot. (laughs) Exactly. He's a surfer and an idiot. But he has hockey sticks and a hockey mask and baseball bats. He just beats the shit out of people. I do love that line from the the TMNT, uh, the the animated Mm. uh, mid-2000s one. Where he's like, he's talking to Raph about the plan. Mm. And Raph is like, oh, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And Casey's like, dude, I have a hockey stick. <laughs> what am I going to do? What do you think is going to happen yeah. here? He's such a great character. Yeah. And he really does play perfectly off the turtles. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, but... And that's something that would have helped here, because then you have April being into Casey, and Leo being into April, and that kind of conflict... But see, I'm glad they didn't do that, though. And that's what I'm hoping they don't do. Like, they make him older, so there isn't that love triangle thing. I was actually kind of happy there wasn't that. Because they laid into that in that first live-action movie. To the point where I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's an ongoing thing. Make him a dorky teacher. Oh, that'd be interesting. Like, the dorky gym teacher. um, uh, Big Daddy from Kick-Ass. Yeah. Nicholas Cage's character. Like but like a like a dorky gym teacher or something who's yeah. like tired of seeing the crime on the streets and is gonna That would be that's a very that'd good be an interesting take. And, and they are in the high school. Yeah. So it's like And we are moving away from standard canon. Yep. So it, it would line up with what we're doing here of like we're gonna move away from 
this mm-hmm. idea and move into this idea. I do like this a lot. Mm. I do wish that some of the decisions were a little different, mm. not to be redundant, but looking at the au revoir of spider, spider, of uh, turtles, this is a nice, refreshing move yeah. away from what we have. And as I am oh so happy to note with other things, if I want the other stuff, I've got 30 years of it. And yeah. We can. We got a bunch of stuff we can watch. Yeah. So, like, I can go back and watch that 2010 Ninja Turtles. I can watch. Uh, I, I haven't watched the, uh, I think it's the Rise of the Ninja Turtles is the newest animated show that's on Nickelodeon. I, I haven't seen it. Again, I don't like the design and I don't like the animation, yeah. so I haven't put any time into it because I don't like the design, I don't like the animation, and that's how my brain works. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm not going to, even now, I'm like, I could watch Clone Wars. <sighs> I don't want to. I want to, and yet every time I look at the animation, I don't want to. And it's uh... well, it's just to me this is like a you know refreshing yeah thing to see after the Michael Bay one yeah oh which definitely. I think you and I would agree those are the worst turtle property I, yeah. things ever made yeah they are at that level of bad where you're like man you thought William Finkner could play a man named Oroku Saki yeah that's an that's and you're a gonna put bold decisions on fully roided out turtles and you're gonna have splinter be the ugliest grossest looking rat you've ever fucking seen and just all of it's gonna be hard to look at and the two actors who aren't gonna be hard to look at are gonna be megan fox and will arnett so if you're into those flavors yay if you don't go for those flavors there's nothing for you here but and the funny part was is how much shit did he get and I know he didn't direct these, he only produced them. But how much shit did Michael Bay get for over-sexualizing Megan Fox in the first two Transformers movies? And what does he do? He has her undress in the middle of Grand Central Terminal as she walks from one point to another. Tying herself up like she's a schoolgirl. Yeah. And it's like, what are you fucking doing? Yeah. Have you not seen Jennifer's body? Yeah. She can be sexy without being a whore and actually being a good actor. Yeah. Like, that movie's great, and you're like, how can you not see that and, like, write for her like that? And you could be like, listen, you can still be attractive, but we're just not going to say that's all you are. Yeah. And that's pretty much what they say. Like, everyone wants to fuck her. Yeah. And she's just going to walk around half naked. It's yeah. like, no, dude, that's what the mistake you made in fucking Transformers. Yeah, no, the writing in those movies was, oh, was, was so trash, bad. top to bottom. All of them were trash. And I never thought I would have a turtle property that I would dislike more than the NES OG Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game which made me want to blow my brains out as a kid <laughs> because of the fucking underwater swimming you oh, can't do it absolutely I, impossible I have the Cowbunga collection yeah I do too you can rewind that shit yep even with the ability to oh, rewind and impossible. mess with time you still can't do it it's still impossible and then I found out once you actually beat that level the final level, quote unquote, is another cityscape mm-hmm. where you have to go through these tunnels like you do at the beginning of the game. But when you get to the end, there just might not be anything. So you have to find the right one. Yeah. And that's where the shredder is. And so until you do, you're just bumping around literally in the dark yep. trying to figure out where the fuck you're supposed to go. Yeah. Who designed this? <laughs> so to me, like that, I was like, nothing's going to be worse than this until I saw the Michael Bay movies. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, something's going to be worse than that. And even that, it. I still, I, I, you know, I, I look at it as 
that mountain I couldn't bike up. It's still like one day. Okay, I'll but this is you, you on a unicycle at Mount Everest. Yeah, exactly. That's this is like, I don't want to do this. It was so fucking impossibly hard. Yeah. And it was like cool because it was the really first, it's like I, the first Spider-Man game I ever played was the Atari 2600 Spider-Man. It wasn't a good game. But it was the first Spider-Man game. Yeah. It's like I can play it. And then when you're playing Turtles on the NES, you know, as a little kid, I'm like, I'm playing as fucking Donatello. I'm playing as Raphael, and he's spinning his size. This is awesome. And then you're like, I can't make it past level one. It's so <laughs> fucking hard. I want to blow. I want to throw things out the window. I've gone through these two sewers so many yes! times. It was so frustrating. Yes. So. But it's happy to know there are worse things. Yes. Now. Yeah. No, I I would agree. I would say. That the Michael Bay ones are are their own low, oh of like everybody knew at the time that they were gonna be bad, and then you had the nerds that were like, but maybe, but maybe you have absolutely nothing else for me in this movie. Okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna move on then and go back and watch the Ninja Turtles TV shows that I've been meaning to get through. Yeah, which there are some really good ones. Yeah, there's, no, there's uh, some th- that 2010 one on top of having a great voice cast and. Um, very good writing mm. in terms of characterization and, and pacing. A lot of, you know, shit and fart jokes, but mm. what are you going to do? It's Nickelodeon. <clears throat> they have David Tennant playing a robot <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> who takes the turtles off of a dying earth and transports them through the the, the void of space uh. with April O'Neil, and uh, then the earth is destroyed, and that's season four, and there's two more seasons after that. So... Bold decisions made in that show. I like it a lot. It's very good. Mm. The reason Jason Biggs stops being the voice actor in the show, I don't know about politically outside of the show, but in the show, is because they do the storyline from the first movie. And they say that Leo is so injured that it affects his vocal cords. Oh, And that's why he sounds different. Interesting. It's like, I like this. I like this. Quite a bit. This is pretty good. Speaking of David Tennant, real quick, um, it has been confirmed that November we're getting the Doctor Who movies. Finally, we're gonna get three Doctor Who movies in November, which are streaming on Disney Plus. Hey, and then in uh, the Christmas special, yeah, everything now is Disney Plus in America for Doctor Who live, oh, okay. or, like day and date. Yeah, we're getting the three movies in November, and then in October at Christmas we're getting the new Doctor reveal. All right. So, all right. well, I mean, we all know who the new Doctor yeah, is, but he's actually he's going gonna to be take on over. screen. Exactly. Yeah. No. So I'm very excited about it. But anyways, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, there's good, there's bad. We did enjoy this. We hope everyone gets a chance to watch it. Once again, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Um, if you don't have it, get it so you can watch Strange New Worlds, but then also watch The Turtles. Yeah. I like the decisions that they made here. Yes. I might not always agree with all of them, but I like the decisions that they made, and I think that this is a really good testament to how you can adapt a story. I agree. Is it as good as what I love? No. But is it a fun interesting new take on something that you've seen a million times 100 percent, and it's so refreshing i i think it really just comes back to they are teenagers it's so refreshing to actually see the turtles as teenagers do i dislike that they aren't confident fighters and all these other things yeah sure fine whatever i i do find that annoying seeing them as teenagers is more than novel there is like this Mm. sense of like oh oh, this is what a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle would be like. Because, like, we've had that sliding scale where sometimes they seem like adults and sometimes they seem less so, you know. Mm -hmm. In Batman versus the Ninja Turtles, you get kind of that whole 
of Wall. Oh, it's a big spectrum, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, Mikey is a child and Leo is a 33-year-old man. Exactly. <laughs> here, they're all kids. And it's, it is really, really effective mm-hmm. storytelling to, to do that and to tell the story this way. Mm-hmm. Jackie Chan, love him as Splinter. Maybe not VHSs. See, here's my last, here's my last take on the whole Splinter thing. I love Jackie Chan. I'll tell you why I didn't love him as Splinter. Jackie Chan, even to this day, his English sucks. I don't know. I thought he was pretty okay here. It just, to me, it sounded like he was reading. Mm. You know, I mean, of course, you're voice acting, you're reading the lines, but it seemed like he was really reading the English, not necessarily knowing, like he was more phonetically saying the lines instead of actually delivering the lines from somebody that has a grasp on the English language. And that was the only takeaway where I was like, I would rather they had gotten like the guy from uh, I know he's a million years old, but everywhere, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. The oh, old guy, James Hong. James Hong. They got him. I know he already did the voice in Kung Fu Panda, but not even just him, but someone like him, an, an older Asian actor who has a better grasp on the English language, and because some of the inflection on some of his moods and anger or confusion. It, I, I just wasn't feeling it. I think also James Hong's voice would have been more akin to the story that they were telling. Yeah. James Hong's voice is a lot more... And, you know, you look at him as Lopan. Mm. Indeed! Oh, and Lopan so much. And, and so, like, I think that that would have fit more with this character yeah. who is less sure of himself than Splinter has ever been and a little bit more of a stay-at-home dad who just wants his kids to stay at home and mm-hmm. doesn't want them going out and entering the, the terrifying streets of New York where they could be mugged or killed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think that his voice would have lended itself more yeah. there. But I do like the conceit of having Jackie Chan play Splinter. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, just the, the thought of Jackie Chan. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. got to take part in something. And I'm glad that there were at least some Jackie Chan movies in that montage of them watching movies to learn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was awesome. I thought that was a good touch. That was really I cool. wanted them to get there faster. Yeah. The, the, the fact that there were so many... You know, Taibo esque, like, oh, we're gonna teach you self defense at home. And yeah. it's like, oh, I fucking hate this. <laughs> I just wish that in that montage, though, because they did show a lot of great Jackie Chan movies, but they didn't show Drunken Master. Yeah. And I would love to have seen a scene of them, like, doing the, like, <laughs> that would have been funny as hell. But yeah, no, love it. I mean, yeah, great movie, great movie. Great yeah. episode. We just had a great episode. Yeah, it was a great episode. Episode 114 is in the books. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Episode 114 of the books, NerdPod Generations. Please tell your friends, tell everybody, make sure they go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our, our podcast. You know, let us know on Spotify. If you subscribe to it, you can actually leave us input. And I do check every week when I upload the new episode to see if anyone has put in input from, you know, any of the previous episodes. You know, we want to hear from you. Want, you know, if you have a topic we, you want us to talk about. We will, we will talk about anything because, as you can tell, we love to hear the sounds of our own voices. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I, one of our favorite things. I hate editing my own voice, but I love listening yeah. to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, once again, uh, website is being worked on. Uh, you don't, if you want to know anything about me, go to the Chiefs Department of Penfield Wegmans. Al? You can find me at jetsumstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. We also have a comment section there if anybody wants to come by and tell nice. us what they want us to cover. Who knows? Maybe we'll cover Yellow Jackets finally. Or... I'm excited about it each one of these weeks because, yeah. like, next week, we're going to have to come up with we something have a fun whole to talk show about, man. We weren't going to do Turtles, 
That wasn't yeah. part of our plan. It all worked out. And then it was here, and we were like, oh. Which I was thinking next week we could start our Halloween Horror Fest. I was going to say, because I'm planning on watching Fear Street for the Halloween Horror Fest as part of... Have an, you seen Fear Street? I have not. Oh, dude. So I'm going to watch that. Dude. Yeah. Fear Street. But I was actually thinking of um, purchasing, which I'll let you know if I do, the uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter. Oh, yeah. That could be something we could I talk about I want to cover also. that for Halloween, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so folks, make sure to check in probably next week, going all the way through Halloween. We'll talk horror movie themed episodes. So, and I wouldn't be excited. surprised if after Halloween too, we're like, hey, I still have horror movies I want to fucking yeah, talk so about. So many horror movies because <laughs> you still have a long list of ones you need to watch. I do, and I have a long list of I, stuff I need. to I have let a you massive list of yeah. movies I need to watch, both psychological and actual horror movies. Yes, yes. Baba Duke's off that list. I watched it. Done. Yeah, good. watched it. Conjuring. Done. Seen it. I gotta say, you know, tangent at the end here, Baba Duke kind of disappointed me, but I'm just gonna let Baba Duke freaked me out I'm more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. See, it takes a lot to freak me out now because I remember I think I was five or six. My the original um, Tales from the Dark Side movie. My dad was watching it, right. and I kind of snuck in and watched it. Is that the one with? That's not the one with Steve Buscemi and Christian Slater. No, that's, that's this one. is the one that has the creature in the box under the stairs yeah. in the school. Yes, like yes. the werewolf like thing. Yes. Yeah. So it was. Oh, that's another movie I want to see this year is The Gate. Oh, The Gate's awesome. I haven't seen The Gate, and I want to see it. The Gate's awesome because it's kind of like a, a kid's horror movie. Yeah, this is what I've heard. Even though it's, you know, an 80s kid's horror movie, so it's not really kids. It's not very kids. It's kiddie. actually kind of scary. <laughs> All right, so we'll talk more about that next week, folks. You have a great week. You have a great week, friends and enemies. We'll see you next time. <laughs>